Hello and greetings and welcome once again to the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. So pleased that you're making us a part of your day, wherever you are in the world and however you may have found us. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. We also want to thank our sponsor, Life Reimagined. Their website, lifereimagined.org slash happy, has got all kinds of resources for you to consider and try out as you make that journey toward your peak happiness. Because as you awaken to the power of happiness, so do your dreams. So what's next? We'll find out at lifereimagined.org slash happy. Well, what if the secret to lasting happiness were simple? Well, in Live Happy's upcoming book, Live Happy, 10 Practices for Choosing Joy, you can discover how simple it actually can be with everyday acts that lead to lifelong joy and fulfillment. We know that because it's been proven by the latest research in positive psychology. Now, it's organized really cool. It's in each chapter, you've got a different tenant or component of lifelong joy and happiness, and then it's paired up with some stories of real-life inspiration from regular people and celebrities that have put these practices into motion in their own lives. And if you would like to order this book, we strongly suggest you do so by pre-ordering today. Absolutely free. You're going to get exclusive interviews, illustrated posters, a free issue of Live Happy Magazine Digital Edition, and five exclusive stories from people who are practicing happiness and creating joyful lives at choosingjoybook.com. You can find more information. In this episode of the podcast, Deborah High spoke with Ali Smith on one of the 10 practices for choosing joy, mindfulness. Ali co-founded the Holistic Life Foundation in 2001, where he currently serves as executive director and has over 15 years of experience teaching yoga and mindfulness to diverse populations. And through his work at the Holistic Life Foundation, he's developed and piloted yoga and mindfulness programs with at-risk youth at drug treatment centers, juvenile detention centers, alternative high schools, mental crisis facilities, and in many other underserved communities. Ali, welcome to the Live Happy Now podcast. So glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about the Holistic Life Foundation and what you do there and what it's all about. All right. So the Holistic Life Foundation is a Baltimore-based nonprofit organization. Our focus is on yoga and mindfulness-based programming. Um, We started off with our focus being on underserved communities, uh, and then it's kind of expanded to include any and everyone because everyone can use the practice. Uh, We've been around for 15 years now. Um, It started off uh, as myself, uh, my brother Ottman Smith, and our other co-founder, Andy Gonzalez, pretty much doing everything. But uh, we've kind of, through the years, we've grown and expanded. And now uh, it, it's, a, it's a well-oiled machine instead of three, three guys with a dream of saving the world trying to do everything. <laughs> That's not such a bad dream, but it is kind of hard with it's just the three of you. Exactly. So how did you personally get into yoga and mindfulness? Um, it, I, I started, I guess, uh, before I was even born. Uh, my parents were really into yoga when I was born. Um, they got into it a couple years before I showed up. Um, our dad and his best friend got into Actually, my dad's best friend was into it. Um, and then uh, my dad was having problems with his prostate. Uh, he went and talked to his friend. And after he got his prostate exam, he was like, I never want to experience that again. And then um, he showed him a couple yoga poses. And uh, it, it hasn't had problems with the prostate since then. So he was like, I want more of that. And so the two of them kind of started studying more. My mom got into it, and then I was born, um, grew up, and so it was like one of those things that was always around. Um, our, our basement, well, I guess, uh, started off as like a bar and like a hangout spot. I mean, not like a, a bar where people go to and buy drinks, but like, you know I mean, like a, a bar in your basement where you invite friends over yeah. and you hang out and you socialize. But, uh, you know what I mean? And then that turned into like a meditation room with like an altar downstairs. Um, my dad would have me and my brother meditate every morning before school. Um, he was heavy in the half at the time, but me and my brother were kind of just sticking to the meditation part of it. 
Um, we grew up in a, in a self-realization fellowship church. Uh, some church started with a meditation every day and read from, and the, and the guy that ran it, uh, this, at the time his name was the Chariot Peter. Um, he would read from all different spiritual texts, whether it was the Bible, or the Torah, the Torah, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the Quran, or Native American spirituality, and just to show the underlying truths in all religions and how they were all connected on on a deep spiritual level. Uh, we went to Friends School of Baltimore, uh, which is a Quaker school. So I mean, we had meaningful worship there, which is a mindfulness practice unto itself. And then you know, at a, at a Quaker school, everything starts with a moment of silence. So you get that brief chance to pause and center yourself before you go out and do anything. So it's kind of these things were always around. Um, and then as we got older, I mean, you, we got away from our practice. Uh, we met Andy Gonzalez in college. We saw the world in a lot of the same ways and really started to ask some, some questions and we started doing a lot of research. And then um, we reconnected with uh, me and Ottman's, my dad's best friend, me and Ottman's godfather, who had been studying yoga since the late 60s. And um, we always tease him that he was like our personal Yoda and we were like Luke Skywalker just showing up to the Diggle <laughs> our system like, teach us. And he was like, all right, I'll teach you guys. But two things, one, you guys are going to promise to go out and be teachers. And two, you guys have to show up at my house at four o'clock in the morning tomorrow morning. And we did. We showed up a little bit before four and knocked on the door. And, and that started our journey with the practice. And then after that, we got deep into our practice and um, we felt really, really good. And uh, we, we felt great actually, but we saw and felt a lot of like suffering and anger and depression and sadness and all this negativity around us. So we were like, hey, well, we're doing, why don't we share it with other people? So we, we, we started sharing with other people, and, and it was through the Holistic Life Foundation. It was one of those things where it was like uh, we, we started a nonprofit because we realized that nonprofits are what you had to do to, to get grant funding, and we, we did that um, out of college, and, and that's what we've been doing ever since. And, and the program has just been growing and changing, but, but that's how we got our start. So it sounds like you really feel like your whole life was leading up to you founding the Holistic Life Foundation. I think so. I mean, it, it, it's not something that if you'd asked me as a graduating senior in college, if this is what I'd be doing, I thought I was, or whoever was telling me that was like totally crazy because it was just like one of those things. I was, I was an environmental science and policy major. Like I was looking at jobs at the EPA and environmental consulting firms. Like that's where, that's where my mind was going. But our, our dad's a heavy proponent of entrepreneurship. So he sat me and my brother uh, down as we were finishing up. He was like, hey, you guys need to create your own thing. The three of us kind of got together. We spent a lot of time, and we were just, this This is what came of it. Obviously, you said you started working with underserved youth. What types of results have you seen by teaching mindfulness and yoga with underserved or underprivileged or at-risk youth? Um, a, a lot of amazing things. Um, kids first. I think the, the most important thing is is they, they realize they get empowerment from it. Um, they know that they're in control of their thoughts, their emotions, their their actions, and no one else is controlling them. And then they're empowered with a tool that they can use for their entire lives. It's something that no one can ever take away from them. And they're also empowered with a place of peace. Like a lot of the kids we started working with were in neighborhoods that were in in, in homes too. Like there was, a, there was a lot of chaos and turmoil and violence and just things around them that they had no control over. But you do have control over your inner space. So you teach a kid how to find that inner peace and connect with themselves. They learn to, like, they, they get that a moment of pause so they can uh, respond to things instead of react to them. Um, they learn to balance their anger. They learn to be in control of their emotions, their thoughts. I mean, we even did a study with Johns Hopkins at Penn State, which was the first randomized control trial on yoga and mindfulness in urban youth. We got some great cognitive results. I mean, the kids were able to better handle their emotions. 
Um, they have they were able to decrease their ruminating thoughts, which are the thoughts that get stuck in your head. Um, they had great results around their behavior and their focus. So there was a lot that was going on. Um, and, and the kids were just happier. I mean, I think that, like, if you go to after-school program in September compared to June, like in September there's going to be a lot more fights. There's going to be a lot more physical altercations. Hmm. But towards the end of the year, the kids are starting to learn to to, to be in control and not let things totally throw them off where they're they just totally react not even thinking about it first. Like, like I said, they get their brief time to pause, and then they can move forward from there. So a lot of it has to do with just teaching children or teaching youth that, like most of us, understanding that you can control what's between your ears, and pretty much that's what you have control over. Would you say that that's kind of what uh, what you guys are doing with these kids? Yeah, I think I think of what's between the ears and what's in your heart, too, because a lot of kids are filled with anger, you know what I mean, or, or hopelessness or helplessness. I mean, and it helps them to really... Um, like I said, connect with themselves and love themselves first because you can't ask someone to care about the people around them if they don't love themselves first. So they learn, like, to, like they really get connected to their inner life and they start to love themselves, and then it spreads out from there. So you're not going to want to kick the crap out of the kid next to you. if, if uh, Particularly, I mean, you might want to if you don't even <laughs> love yourself first, but, I mean, but, like, if you love yourself first, then you start to spread that love and you see your connection to that person, and you don't want to put that out there. Yeah, it's really hard if uh, you're in pain to not... To, to, to pay attention to somebody else's pain. And I think it's a really valuable lesson, not just for at-risk youth, but for, for pretty much everybody to learn that it starts with you, but that's not, but it's not just about you. It's, it is about the community and about giving back. Where do you see HLF going? What, what are you planning for the future? Um, I guess uh, further expansion and scalability and sustainability. Um, we've gone from the three of us, Ab and Andy and I, to a program staff of 17 uh, most of those are former students of ours that we've trained to be teachers and administrative staff of six. Um, we started off when it was the three of us working. We were working with maybe, I'd say on a good week, maybe like 90 kids a week, maybe 100 kids a week. Now we work with probably close to somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 kids a week across Baltimore City. Um, we were spread out. I mean, we do a lot of trainings and workshops around the country. I mean, I guess internationally now. Uh, on teaching people how to use yoga and mindfulness with, with youth, not just underserved youth, but youth in, uh, across all demographics. We've had a lot of experience um, over the past 15 years. So I just expanding our training model, expanding the work that we do in Baltimore. I've got uh, an app that just uh, that came out, I guess, uh, a couple months ago called Grow Mindfulness for Teens. So kids can so we can reach kids no matter where they are. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, you just plug in your earbuds to your iPhone and you can do some practice. We lead you through some breath work some mindfulness practices, some meditations. And it's cool for teens because teens don't want them to stand out. They want to kind of be inconspicuous with what they're doing. So, I mean, you can, you can sit there and look like you're sleeping or listening to music, and the whole time you're, you're working with your breath or your thoughts or your emotions to kind of, to kind of do more things. So I think, um, yeah, just expanding throughout Baltimore, we'd love to be system-wide at some point and, and work with the entire school district of Baltimore City. Uh, we've got some plans for some expansion around around the nation. We love to open up kind of like, I guess, HLS satellites in a couple other cities we've got our eyes on. Um, we're working on some online things and online training we're working on developing. Um, we're working on some, some newer trainings. Uh, I guess a lot of it's around being able to train people to do this as well because, I mean, even if our staff is great, it's only 16 of them, so there's only a certain amount of people we can reach. But uh, if we go and we work with people in their school or, or in their city and we train them to be able to do it, then the, 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 the practice gets to a lot more people. So, but you're, you're still focusing pretty much on youth um, throughout your growth. Um, actually, actually, no. Um, most of our trainings are for adults. Um, the only, most of the classes we teach are for youth. 
Uh, I'd say about 60%, maybe 65% of the classes we teach are for youth. But we also teach adults in uh, drug treatment. Uh, we teach adults in mental illness facilities. Uh, we teach adults in homeless shelters. Um, we do a lot of classes for teachers and parents. Um, so it, it's kind of, it's starting to shift, but I mean, it's, our, our focus is mainly the youth. For someone who doesn't really, you know, know what we're talking about. So some of our listeners are really into mindfulness and yoga, and some of our listeners are familiar with yoga, but aren't really into mindfulness. And, and some people, mm-hmm. you know, really don't know exactly what mindfulness and meditation is, or, you know, maybe they have a little fear of it, or they have a miscommunication in their head about what it actually is. How do you describe mindfulness to someone? What do you, what do you tell people it is? What do you tell people it's all about? I guess the working definition that we use at, at HLF is um, mindfulness is kind of the combination of centering awareness and presence, like um, being aware of your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, um, being able to stay centered for as long as you can from, uh, from whether it's no matter what's going on outside of you or inside of your brain or inside of your heart, like whatever's going on, to be able to stay centered and being able to stay present from moment to moment. I mean, it won't be a long time being present, but just be able to know what presence is and come back to it as often as possible. Uh, mindfulness isn't something that you're not going to be a mindful all the time, but you can be mindful from moment to moment for as long as you can. And mindfulness is something you can do any, you can do anything mindfully. You can, you can, I mean, you can mindfully answer your emails. It's like you just being present with what you're doing helps mindfulness and it helps to reduce stress. It helps to increase your connection to yourself and the people around you. It builds empathy. It builds compassion. It builds love. So there's a lot of different things it can do. So, I mean, and, and one thing we like to tell people is mindfulness isn't something you do. It's something that you are. You it's something you incorporate into your being and, and you kind of move forward from there. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how we explain it to people. I like that uh, it's not something you do, it's something you are, because, you know, being present is, is a state of being. It's not a practice necessarily. Exactly. <laughs> Live Happy's new book, Live Happy, 10 Practices for Choosing Joy. Uh, mindfulness is one of the 10 practices for choosing joy. But for me, it's it's the one I struggle with the most. Because I'm always mm-hmm. looking forward. I'm always running to the future. But uh, I know from all the research and all the studies that have been done that practicing being present will pay off a lot more. And it absolutely reduces stress. Totally. How do you, how do you incorporate mindfulness into your life? Um, I mean, so I definitely have my own personal meditation practice. So at least once a day, um, I'll sit and I'll, I'll, I'll meditate. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's a part of my life. It's a part of my day. It's something I don't go without. Mostly, most days it's twice, but I'll say it at least once a day. I'll sit and I'll meditate. Um, like my dad did for me, I have a, a strong meditation practice with my nine-year-old. So um, my four-year-old, he's kind of he's he's not ready for it yet. But I mean, the nine, the nine-year-old actually, we've been meditating together probably for the past four and a half years. Um, every night before he goes to bed, we'll have like a little conversation on mindfulness and love and spirituality, and he'll sit and he'll meditate, and then then he'll go to bed. So just trying to incorporating all aspects of my life. Um, I know we usually start business meetings in our office with a meditation. Uh, when people come in, we've got a little cool little app on our phone with like a little meditation gong that goes off at the end. Um, just stopping to pause in between emails every once in a while to kind of take a couple breaths and center myself. Um, and just trying to model love and compassion and empathy to the people we work with. I mean, like, uh, what, whether we're at a school or we're at a, the juvenile detention center or anywhere, like you can you can model certain things and, and let certain things exude from you and, and people feel it. And uh, just trying to be love around everyone that we work with is, is, is are some of the ways. So you mentioned that you meditate with your son. Maybe you practice meditation yourself or maybe, maybe you don't and maybe you want to start, but you, you have a, a child that you think might really benefit from uh, learning mindfulness. Where, where do parents start? 
Um, I say start with yourself. You know, like start with, uh, I mean, even with something as simple as learning to take a belly breath. You know what I mean? And then breath awareness. Like you, there's a lot that you can do with the breath where you can easily get your students to, or, or I'm saying students, but get your child to, to get into the practice. And the breath is usually a good place to start. I mean, you've always got your breath with you. You can be aware of your breath. You know when your breath is short and shallow, whether it's long and slow. And you can be aware of how your thoughts are going when, when these things are happening. So, like, usually when you're angry, your heart's beating fast and your breath is short and shallow. If you slow your breath down and start to slow your heart down, you start to start to slow your thoughts down, and usually a lot more calm. So just getting kids to – I know that was one of the first things I worked with my son was deep breathing, just showing them how to take a belly breath first and then just get him to do – like we've done some breath meditations where he's just aware and being calm and centered on his breath and use his breath as an anchor or a centering tool. But that's usually a good place to start. And there's a lot of good resources, too. For, for parents who are interested in, in getting their kids to, to get into meditation or mindfulness. Well, Ali, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been really, uh, really fascinating. It sounds like you're doing great work there. Is there anything that I haven't asked you'd like to add? Follow us on Facebook. Check for the Holistic Life Foundation on Facebook and Twitter and all that fun stuff. Um, sign up for our newsletter. Um, we've got an awesome newsletter that comes out monthly uh, that, that you can sign up for on our website. Yeah, I mean, and we're a nonprofit, so, I mean, if you want to donate, please donate. Um, we've always got, you know, I mean, we've got projects going on all the time. Um, we've got a couple cool trainings and workshops coming up around the country. So, yeah, just uh, I guess the, the newsletter is the best way to kind of stay in, in contact with what we're doing. Well, you're doing, you're doing wonderful work. Um, you're doing meaningful work, and uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. For those of you who are listening, if you want to find out more about the Holistic Life Foundation, you can go to our webpage, livehappynow.com, and there'll be more information and links for you there. And once again, Ali, thank you for being on the show. I'm really a fan of everything you're about. I can't say enough how important it is to start with being present. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, I really appreciate the time. If you would like a free sketch note of this episode or to learn more about the Holistic Life Foundation, you can go to livehappynow.com. And also get that exclusive offer when you pre-order Live Happy 10 Practices for Choosing Joy at livehappy.com slash pre-order. We would love to hear from you what your thoughts on this episode were or maybe things that you'd like to hear in a future episode by having you log on social media or even email. Twitter has us at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy. You can also find us on Instagram by searching mylivehappy or you can just shoot us an email podcast at livehappy.com. For everybody involved with the Live Happy Now podcast and Live Happy Magazine, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long until next time, and remember to always live happy.